Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to the world of Maximize Your Influence. This is Kurt Mortensen. Who knows where Steve Olson is on hiatus somewhere. This is podcast number 184. How we're going to talk about how to create an instant connection with anyone. It's been a busy week, but doing webinars to Europe and South Africa. That's a lot of fun, different culture, different style, but it all still works. Same potatoes, adjust the gravy a little bit, same pasta, adjust the sauce a little bit. Same rice, just adjust the curry a little bit. Doesn't matter what part of the world, human nature is human nature is human nature. So let's change the order up of the show a little bit, keep you on your toes as we give you the tools and techniques that you need to take persuasion and influence to the next level. Let's start with the persuasion blunder of the week. Homer, go! Don't, don't, don't! All right, our friend Homer sends it, indicating that we have an incoming blunder and this is going to be, I guess, universities in general. So I did a keynote at a university this week, and I'm not going to name names because this is universal. I'm not going to point any fingers, but this is a big challenge, and it's getting bigger and bigger. And so my keynote talks about that 85% of success. You know, students are interested in getting jobs and becoming wealthy and successful. And, and the university, the education gives them that core competence, at least hopefully. But the other 85% is the soft skills, the persuasion, influence, people skills, self-motivation, self-persuasion, emotional intelligence, dealing with other people and adapting to different personalities, departments, countries, styles. I knew that was an issue, but the students that came up again and again, that was the common theme. Are there more classes? What classes can we take? What should we do? What can we read? Well, we're not ready for this. I don't know any of these skills. I don't know if this university offers any classes on these. None of this was required again and again and again. And I hear that too on the webinars and the live seminars and trainings that, why didn't we learn this in school? You know how much money I've lost? You know how many promotions I've lost? You know how many negotiations I've lost? So help me share the message, share the podcast, like the podcast because we've got to get the message out there. These are the skills that matter that make the biggest difference for success, happiness, wealth, whatever you put on there. These are the skills that matter because we all persuade for a living. We all sell for a living, whether parents, teachers, leaders, managers. Help me get the word out. Share the podcast, whatever you need to do. This is critical. I saw that look in their face, and it just hurt me that they'd spent all this money. They thought they were ready, and they now realize they weren't even close. And I told them, you know, college degree is important. It gets you in the door, but everybody else in the door has a college degree, too. What's going to make you different? So share that message with the world. The blunder is first today. Thanks for listening. Again, this is Kurt Mortensen, Podcast 184. You want to help me share the message? Get a question, comment, rude remark? I'm at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. We're also on Facebook at Maximize Your Influence and at Twitter at InfluenceMax. Follow us and let us know your thoughts. So we're going to do everything out of order today. Usually reader email is last. Let's do it second towards the front. Here is the reader email. Kurt, I attended your three-day negotiation power workshop last year, and you mentioned a study about coffee or hot drinks or something to that effect where people held a hot or a cold drink that it affect their perception of people, one of those association triggers. I've tried to find it, but I can't. Can you help me out? 
I've been thinking about this and using this in different aspects of persuasion. Please help me out. That's Alan from Wisconsin. Of course, thank you for your question, and I'll answer that because it's one of my favorite, weirdest, strangest, coolest studies to date. And this comes from the Journal of Science and Yale University. And this is an ancient study. Well, not really. 2008. I guess you can call that ancient if you want. This just blows your mind. We've talked a lot about subconscious triggers, association triggers, how it just feels right. We like them. We don't like them. We trust them. We don't trust them. They're nice. They're not nice. So they were looking at temperature. And basically, they would pick just a neutral temperature day. I'm not sure what that is. But they would hand somebody either a hot cup of coffee or an iced coffee as they took a survey and they wrote down information. Then they asked for the drink back. Then the subjects were given this little packet of information. And they were asked to assess the personality traits of the person who had just done that survey. <laughs> Hope you're sitting down. But the people that held the coffee were rated warmer than those that were holding the iced cup of coffee who were a little more cold and distant. Interesting. Really? From temperature? Well, I know in seminars that the temperature matters. 68 to 70 degrees is your most persuasive temperature, so I guess holding something affects that. It's association trigger. The second part of the study, they were asked to hold either a heated or frozen therapeutic pack. I guess, you know, for sports injuries, things like that. And they were told they could receive a gift certificate for a friend or a gift for themselves. So after the survey, this also included an evaluation, and they were asked, okay, this gift certificate, do you want to keep it? Do you want to give it to a friend? You got it. Those that held the hot pack were more likely to donate that to a friend, but those that held the cold pack were more likely to keep the gift. So this was done by Dr. Barr, and he says, it appears that the effect of physical temperature is not just on how we see others, it affects our own behavior as well. Physical warmth can make us see others as warmer people. It also causes us to be warmer, more generous, and trusting. Right there, Yale University study, that's probably the one you're looking for. I've mentioned that one in seminars before with association triggers, and it could be anything around you that we're not aware of. And we talked about this a while back on Podcast 27, The Law of Association. But one of the things I do at seminars is I have people introduce themselves, what they do, and the animal that best describes their personality. And of course, we get to know each other, and that's important. The other thing I do, I have the other side of the room evaluate them on their first impressions of them. <laughs> we surprise them with that later, but that's important to know what other people think of you in the first 30 seconds. But this one particular seminar was fascinating. Everyone's animal was some type of cat. Tiger, lion, leopard, house cat. I'm like, what's the deal? That's never happened before. But everyone was some type of cat. Not everyone, but I'd say the majority. But we went out in the hallway, and it was a long hallway to get to our seminar room, and there were pictures of all these different kind of cats on the way in. Just decorations, just kind of there in the background. I hadn't noticed them before. And that was a subconscious trigger where everyone became a cat. This is real. It's part of your influence. Remember, it's up to 95% of your influence are these subconscious triggers. So, wow, we've got Blunder so far. We've got the geeky article. We've got reader email. Now let's get into some content and talk about some things that will make a huge difference. And how do you get to people instantly connect with you? Obviously, the subconscious triggers, the people around you, the different things that are happening is a big part of that. But how do you get people just to really like you? I mean, I mean, some people you meet, you just like them. Some people you meet, you're like, shower. Again, not with them, but because of them. That's why you want to take the shower. But how do you connect with people? How do you get them to like you? Because if they don't like you, they're not going to listen. If they don't like you, they're going to look for everything that's wrong with you and your product and your service. This is real. Well, it shouldn't be an issue. They should like me for who I am. 
okay, I'm sure I agree with you, but that's not reality. And we're all about reality on this podcast. So let me give you a few things to help you out that give you some tools to understand exactly how this works. I'm not going to be politically correct to get in trouble for this, but the reality is people are judging you and you should probably realize what they're judging you on. Just like at the live seminars, people are like, oh, I don't want to know what people think. Well, I know you don't, but you need to. You can't fix what you don't know you need to fix. You might think you're confident. They think you're arrogant. You might think you're smart. They're thinking, ah, not so smart. And you don't even know based on your mannerisms, the subconscious triggers, how do you present yourself, what you say or you don't say. It's all part of this pattern. So the first one, especially for strangers, we have to talk about your appearance. We call it attraction. It's also called the halo effect. Assuming you look great, that this attraction, when you look good, people think you're more trustworthy, more likable, better than you actually are. It's called the halo effect. Not drop-dead gorgeous or handsome, but you look good. Some things you can fix, some things you can't fix. And that's what we need to realize here. But based on your appearance, people judge you. So let's go with attractiveness, how good you look. In the judicial systems, you know, those that commit crimes, the uglier convicts get longer prison sentences for, than those who are better looking. In daycare, the not-so-good-looking kids get in trouble more than the better-looking kids. In college, and I guarantee the professors do not agree with this, but the studies do show that in college, the better-looking students get better grades for the same amount of work than the ones that aren't so attractive. It's a knee-jerk reaction. It's how we are. Even in presidential elections, the better-looking candidate usually wins. <laughs> Except for this last one in the United States, uh, neither one qualified. So it didn't matter in that election. And they even have them at convention. They're called booth babes. Yeah, booth dudes too, to where someone that's attractive sits by the car, sits by the booth. They don't know nothing, but people are attracted to that person. You're not drop-dead super gorgeous or attractive. Just looks good. It seems like when you're too attractive, it's almost intimidating to people. And so you just have to be aware that you want to look the best that you can. I know when I'm in my workout clothes at a hotel, I'm treated differently than a suit. I know if I want to upgrade at the airlines that wearing a suit's a big difference than jeans and a t-shirt. It's reality. It's how it works. So part of this, too, is our physical shape, like watching our weight. If you're over 20% of your target weight, it reduces lifetime earnings. Again, not fair, but this is reality based on the studies. Your accessories, your jewelry, your glasses, your earrings. If your glasses tint up or if you're wearing sunglasses, it could hurt that instant connection. Well-groomed hair or having hair in the wrong places that could distract people and hurt that connection. So hair and clothing styles is all part of that, and this is important to understand. There's actually three parts to it. The first one is your physical appearance. The second one is your personality. Some people have ugly personalities that suck the life out of people. Some people have attractive personalities. They're actually rated more attractive. When you have a good personality, you're rated more attractive, and it's easier for people to connect with you. How you look. I mentioned... On earlier podcasts, just by dressing like the department above you increases your chance of your promotion because you're more like them. Or the jaywalking study in New York, because a lot of people don't jaywalk or go across the signal until somebody goes first. Well, when you put someone's jeans on a t-shirt, they count the number of people. They go first and people follow them across. But when they're in a suit, a really nice suit, two and a half times more people will follow that person across. Again, this is reality. Your ability to get people to like you, to instantly like you, and not repel them, that first impression, I'm telling you, that first impression, the cement dries fast. Can you fix it? Sure, anybody can fix dried cement. It's just a lot of work and probably not worth it. 
because you can do it right the first time. It matters, and you need to be aware of it. Well, they shouldn't judge me. I know. I'm with you on that, but that's not reality. Our brains are geared to instantly judge, to instantly feel, and instantly gauge it. And part of that's fight or flight. You meet someone on the street for the first time and they're approaching you, you, what do you do? Do you run? Do you stay? Do you go? It's all part of those feelings, those subconscious triggers. And there's three other pieces. I I don't know if we're going to get to it today. If not, we'll get it on the next podcast because this is really important to understand. The next one is pretty simple and pretty intuitive when it's done the right way. A lot of people do it the wrong way. It's called similarity theory, and this is when familiar objects are more alike than less familiar objects, which is true for people or an object. The studies show that we tend to like and are more connected to those who are like us and with whom we can relate. You go to a party or anything, people are talking. They're trying to find anything they have in common, anything that's similar, because that's what sparks relationships. I mean, if you're from Nebraska in the United States and you meet somebody from New York in Germany, you really don't have that much in common, but all of a sudden, two foreigners in a different land, you connect, there's something in common. And realize you can find something in common with anybody you meet. And I know it's a challenge sometimes. It's Sometimes it's a real stretch. You have to go, okay, we're both human. Okay, chill, right? We're both breathing air. <laughs> we both want to stay living or whatever it is. But you got to find anything, anything, especially if it has to deal with their attitude, morality, or religion, background, appearance, those things matter. It makes a huge difference. Even the same TV show, the same sports team, same age of children, or maybe you're both soccer moms or soccer dads, that type of thing. Same school, any of those. This is what sparks the relationship. We like people that we feel that are like us. That's why in commercials sometimes you'll see someone with a messy home or something like that. Like, wait a minute, they're like me. There's more of a connection there. Now, careful on this, this could have the opposite effect. In fact, one of the organizations I teach for, I do trainings for, we do two- and three-day trainings, do some webinars, they just sent me a memo that some instructors had been fired for talking about politics. They showed some comics, I don't know if it was, I guess, pre-election of the candidates and a few other things, and I'm not sure who they're making fun of, and it doesn't matter. If someone's brain-dead enough to make a political joke or religion joke to know no matter what, they're going to offend half the group, I don't know what you're thinking. So stay away from those things. Now, obviously, if it was a political convention or a religious group, it's okay to talk about those things. But if it has nothing to do with your presentation, I would be very, very careful of that. And there's two rules that are important to understand with this, finding those similarities, finding things in common, is rule number one, and very, very important, is make sure it's relevant to them. You're a Gemini? I'm a Gemini too? Oh, well, if they don't care, if they don't get it, if they don't even know they're a Gemini, that's not going to help you out. That's definitely not going to help you out. Yeah, the second one is is something positive. You don't want to bring up everyone's negative traits. You wouldn't say, really, you're a convicted felon too? You've served time in prison? So have I. Where did you serve? How much time? Not going to help you. That's something they don't want to remember, they don't care about, they want to forget about. You're bringing it up, putting salt in their room. It's not going to help your connection. Or the old school persuasion sales training where you go into someone's office and you talk about things. Oh, there's a fish on your wall. Oh, is that your family? Oh, you must be a golfer. Look at that trophy. Okay, ding, 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 subconscious trigger. Every salesperson talks about that. Instant resistance. Why would you do that? Well, in fact, a lot of these managers that I've talked to are taking the trophy home, the golf club's home, the fish on the wall home, because they're tired of talking about it. Now, let me flip that a little bit. 
if you come in and you see a fish on the wall and you know, well, that's about a 200-pound marlin, and this is where it comes from, this region of the world, and this does this, and what pound test line did you use? And if you could talk coherently about it, there could be a connection there. But if you're just shooting in the dark and have no clue, it's going to have the opposite effect. So careful of that one. So to recap a little bit, to help you out here, be worried how you look, right? Fix what you can. Height is important too. I've told you this, most CEOs are taller than normal. You might not be able to fix that, but maybe you need to adjust your weight, your physical appearance, maybe a little more modern with your hairstyle, your accessories. People judge on those things. Take a look at those. And then find something in common. That's the spark. So initially, it's that first impression when they see your appearance. Second is, okay, let's find something in common. And you can find something in common. In fact, I was working with someone, and she wanted to learn how to influence up and to the side. It's different. Influencing down is a little different than influencing up. And we talked about similarities and commonality and, and the theory behind this and how well it works. I said, well, find out something about, do they have cats? Do they have favorite TV shows? Just something in passing. Found out by talking to someone else that Dancing with the Stars was her favorite show. Started to record it. Started to watch it. Started to enjoy watching it. Just a passing, she would say, that says, oh, I can't believe they kicked off Lewis last night. Oh, that makes me mad. How could they do that? Oh, and would walk away and slowly just drop these little things. They talk about it more and more and more. And they actually had a lot in common, but that was the spark to the relationship, finding things in common, similarities. That's the key to your success. So, listeners, please like us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Find us on social media at Maximize Your Influence. At Twitter, it's Influence Max. And let everyone know that learning to persuade influence is a critical success skill. In fact, let me do you a solid. Let me help you out here. I created a series a few years ago called Persuasive Presentations. Because anybody can present, but is it persuasive? On key factors by monitoring hundreds of different influential presentations. What does that formula look like? We talked about this a few weeks ago, and I get a lot of questions about it. So I will put it up one more time. It's 80% off. It's six audios, an application guide of everything you need to know to create a persuasive presentation, the formula, the audios, the step-by-step. It's an instant digital download at healthepain.com for 17 bucks. You can download this, learn how to give persuasive presentations, understand the formula step-by-step, and become a power presenter. So that's at healthepain.com, persuasive presentation, six audios, application guide, 80% off, $17. I will leave it up for a week, put it up there by popular demand, because I will take it down. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. I'm passionate about this topic. Master these skills. Become a power persuader. Learn to persuade with confidence. And go out and persuade with power.